Hello, welcome to episode 114 of Beyond the Weight with Henny and Sandy. So listen, I need to, I've written down a few things and they're just little things, but I just had to because I'm listening to, I was just going to say aphrodisiac, but it's not, it's hypochondriactor, the podcast. Right, aphrodisiacs and hypochondriacs, two very different things. Very different, very different, but it went, I went blank for a second. Okay. So during the podcast, this is like Sean Hayes, he's the actor, but he's the, like a hypochondriac, I so he that. is a hypochondriactor. I think that's And then clever. he has on an actual doctor who is also a stand-up comedian. And so they bring on a guest, often a famous person, that Mm -hmm. has some sort of a health um, issue or a health ailment or something that's happened that they talk about. And then Sean also talks about, you know, things because he's had everything go wrong with him. Um, But part of one part of the episode is like this little quiz or game show that they do. And so Sean is asked five questions and the guest is asked five oh, different questions and then okay. they see who wins. Oh, so fun. there were a couple of things that I wrote down because then I, I thought those were really fun and I just wanted to ask you. And this one is one that you have just recently overcome. Um, and I just want to know if you know what the actual name of this is. Okay. So if I said to you, that you um, had a habit um, of doing something that it is actually called an oniacofacia. 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 So it's something that I do. That's the, the habit of doing whatever this is, is called oniacofacia. Oni- yes. You've actually stopped it. We recently, you and I were talking. <gasps> I know what it is. Yes. my nails. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. I needed those clues, though. I wouldn't have got it. So the O, it doesn't start with O-N, the word? O-N-Y-I-C-K. Yeah. And that must be a Latin term for nails. Because the the French word for nails is angle, like it starts with O-N. So I'm sure that that's some sort of root. Yeah. Maybe I should have spelled it for you so to give you an extra clue. No, that was, ooh, that was, that was a toughie. I like that. Oh, wow. So second thing, we, you know that we all have unique fingerprints. Yes, we do. What else do we all have that is, uh, that you could make a print that is unique to us? So fingerprints are unique. What other print would be? Yeah. So there's another, another, there's another thing. Something, would it be something related to your hair? No. Okay. It's your tongue. Oh, so like if you did a tongue print, uh huh, that would be unique to every person. Why you would do that, I don't know. Uh, but still, that's fascinating. What is the actual medical term or name, the medical name for your butt crack? I have no idea. Intergluteal cleft. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> And it makes perfect sense. It does. <laughs> Every time I see a cleft chin, I'm going to be thinking of my <laughs> intraglutial cleft. And you might just like squeeze it a little bit. I think so. I did squeeze it a little just saying it right now. Tell me about that. Yeah, super fun. I like it. Super, super fun. 
Then Inter this morning, intercleft, yes. Yeah, so there you okay. go. You put some useless information there. So then this morning, oh, there it is. Phil and I were reading the the news. Oh, I know what it was. It's because Trudeau was had just come back from the G7, and then you know people have been speculating. Oh, is he going to have to go into a quarantine and into the hotel and blah 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 blah, which he did. And this morning, I was reading an article that said that him and his his group had checked into a three-star hotel in Ottawa. Okay. So it wasn't even like he was staying at whatever, which in my opinion, I mean, just the fact that he was going somewhere to me is enough, but whatever. Sure. But I yeah. said dollars to donuts, you know that there are going to be people that are going to still be unhappy with that. And then yeah. I looked at him and I said, what in the world does that term even mean? <laughs> dollars to donuts? Do you know what it means? I mean, I know what it means in the sense that you just used it, but I don't know where it has come from or like what the, the how origins. did people come? Yeah. How did people come to start saying that expression? Although that's an expression that I use. Yes. And, 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 I, but it, it was, I didn't even think about it. It just came out of my mouth. And, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. So, funny. so I had to like Google it too. Okay. Cause I said, I'm talking and to did you get an answer. Did, yeah, of did course you get an I answer? Okay. Dollars to donuts is a pseudo betting term. Pseudo in that it didn't originate with actually betting, like betting involving donuts, but okay. just as a pleasant sounding phrase, which indicated short odds. Dollars are valuable, but donuts aren't. Oh. It originated in the mid 19th century in the USA. Dollars to donuts. Dollars to donuts. I'm even thinking like mid 19th century. So like, in the mid 1800s and then i'm like so then literally my brain went to like wow they were making donuts in the mid like in the, in the mid 1800s that's crazy <laughs> however you know what phil said it right away he said that's because but they're not talking about uh granddad's donuts they're <laughs> not talking about granddad's donuts <laughs> too bad <laughs> those are valuable <laughs> and they're worth everybody yes, yes they, they are, are. They are. <laughs> That's all I've got for you today. You're a little treasure trove of useless and yet fascinating information, though, Sandy. I like it. So last week, you kind of teased the idea that you were starting a new podcast where you were listening to, where there were a bunch of different topics, and you were listening to a topic in particular related to regular bowel movements and constipation and things like that. Did you yeah. finish that podcast? Did you come up with any I, interesting findings or not really? Well, I did finish listening to it. Okay. There were, I mean, a few things, but nothing like earth shattering that okay. most people wouldn't know, except the, the recurring message on so many different podcasts, things I've read, in WW workshops is all about lifestyle and the impact that our lifestyle has on our overall well-being and how it affects so many different systems in the body. Mm -hmm. And this, the, 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 like the poop specialist doctor, who's yeah. like his, his life has been studying, you know, constipation and yeah. upset tummies and the reason for it mm -hmm. was he said it's like the 
changing your lifestyle is the most impactful change. Like that, you'll get the biggest change mm-hmm. in your bowel movements just by eating the right food, reducing the amount of stress in your life, and regularly exercising. If this is, if it has been so simple as to not just be thinking about food and actually for people to, for all of us to understand the importance of reducing stress, getting enough sleep, keeping like exercising, not to lose weight, but exercising because of all the other benefits. Why in the hell have we not been doing this? Like, why is this messaging just really in the last five years or so becoming so prominent being sold or not not even sold but being presented to us in a way that this is a proactive way to Mm. extend your life also extend it in a way that it is that you feel good it's a Mm -hmm. it's a you know productive way for us to not just live longer but but actually be able to move more to feel good about ourselves like that that to me is so shocking it's so shocking but I think part of it is because the other thing is they they talk about functional nutrition like functional medicine Mm -hmm. compared to um, our traditional conventional type medicines right and so conventional medicine is the name it blame it treat it yeah this is what's happening this is what you've done this is what the medication will give you which will take care of whatever the outcome is right now or the symptom but it doesn't take care of the root cause yeah right and so the the amount i i think last week i had mentioned like the dollar amounts of over-the-counter medications and even just the prescription medications, like I think it was $800 million a year that industry is and didn't include the over-the-counter stuff, um, is that those remove, like they actually will clear clean you out, but that doesn't solve the problem. And then the more frequently that we take these um, over-the-counter medications or something that's been prescribed to us is that it actually makes the issue worse especially when it because your bowel becomes very lazy Mm. right yeah of course because it doesn't have to do its job right completely right and it forgets what it needs to do because you've always giving it something else which is what happens to um you know people who suffer from bulimia and um anorexia anorexia thank you yeah because they often take a lot of laxatives oh right and and then what can happen is that excessive use over time is that you're it will never you'll never it'll never work properly you can't just stop it and then hope it will do it 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 won't that won't happen so that was kind of interesting the other the other interesting thing Mm -hmm. was that 40 you're 40 percent more likely to develop parkinson's if you have if you suffer from chronic constipation wow why well, I don't really know why, oh, but that's just a statistic. It was a statistic. Yes. So, okay. Now I need to find out why. He didn't say why. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder, I wonder why that, like, I wonder, I guess what I'm thinking about is like, is there something about being in a chronic state of constipation that is, that is 
adding to the risk of developing Parkinson's or is there something potentially genetic that would Oh, if I see. you are more genetically disposed to develop Parkinson's, you're also more genetically disposed to being constipated. Like, I wonder if those, if there's a, a causal relationship between the two, or if it's just a correlation. And I have just looked it up. So in some people, this is actually the, the opposite of what I've said, but it's like what you've just said is like okay. wondering what does the cause or the effect, right? Okay. So this, uh, this is, I just Googled, it says in some people with Parkinson's constipation may occur due to improper functioning of the auto, autonom autonomic, sorry, nervous system. That system is responsible for regulating smooth muscle activity. Okay. If it is not working properly, then the intestinal tract may operate slowly causing constipation. Oh, so it's the slowness of movement of, and rigid muscles. Is, yeah. And that affects the bowel wall. So I wonder if, I mean, clearly the two are correlated, like they tend yeah. to happen together. I wonder if chronic constipation then could be a potential sign of. Of, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, that stuff is always so tricky, right? Because yeah. whenever we see that two things happen together, we immediately go to, okay, one has caused the other, which one is causing which, but, yeah. but sometimes one is causing the other, but often it's something else that seems to be causing both. And they just right. both seem to be like, it's likely that if you have the one, you have the other, but it's not necessary or it's not necessarily the case that one is causing the other, right? But that's a tricky thing to... Okay, so it says here, constip constipated men are four to one times more likely to develop Parkinson's as mm -hmm. men with an average of two bowel movements per day. And four and a four point five times more likely to develop the disease as men with more than two bowel movements a day. So, but this is like anything. Mm -hmm. You can Google it and you, depending on which side, like, what you're looking for, the evidence to prove. <laughs> you you or can just find prove. the answer. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway. very, very interesting. I'm so, I'm so taken with this, you know, your idea about, you know, how simple, you know, quote, I, I'm saying simple in quotation mm -hmm. marks, but how simple the solution to so many things is like, you know, the biggest impact that we can make on our well, on our overall health and well-being is just quote unquote, simply eating yeah. well, staying active, getting enough sleep and reducing stress, you know? Yeah. And then, and so you said, you know, why is it that we're just sort of starting to talk about this? And I wonder if it's because as, as technology in all sorts, like I'm, I'm talking technology like our phones, but I'm also talking technology like farming technology and yes. factories and industrialization and, you know, all sorts of technology as that continues to develop the lifestyle that we, the lifestyles that we lead change as well. And so it's only been so many years that we've really the majority of us live a relatively sedentary lifestyle. So yeah. up up until very recently in the grand scheme of history, maybe 
being active wasn't something that needed to be prescribed because it was something that we were doing anyway. Yeah. You're, you're a hundred, that's exactly what it is. And it's also that it, there, there was, um, uh, like a gap in the time when we went from having to do everything ourselves to having things been done for us or making, it was making quote, our lives easier and mm-hmm. better for us. Mm-hmm. And then the development of all of these ailments yeah. And then the time it took for them to make like the relationship between That's those. That's it. Yes, to find that exactly. connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, and so that's an example with activity, but I think with, you know, with stress, with sleep, with food, it's all the same, right? Like, like yeah. the, and I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast about how food and the food industry has changed in the yes. last you know, 50 to a hundred years. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, certainly the, the, the types of stress that, that we live with today would be different from yeah. the types of stress that people lived with 50 years ago, a hundred years ago. Right. Just yeah. the, the speed at which life moves is very different. You know, like there's so many mm-hmm. differences. Right. And I think I think it's exactly like what you said. Is it takes it takes uh, it takes society and science too a while to sort of see the pattern that is happening, and then to attribute the pattern that is happening to a particular cause or variety of causes. But but and then an even longer time to change people's perception and understanding yes. and belief it's and it, it that's where the that's yes. where the, the cell is yeah it's 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 just that can't be that cannot be the reason yes you know? yes I well and I because I and I think some of that too is attributed to our technologically advanced age where things happen very quickly so so we have been you know really honed to to believe that there's a quick fix to everything and so when someone suggests something that is simple and long-term and slow going we can't really reckon with that you're reconciled with that right like we really have to be like no 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 there's got to be there's got to be a pill that I can take so that tomorrow I wake up feeling fine you know like what what do you mean I have to you know uh create a sleep schedule and and you know eat lots of fruits and vegetables and you know like like these these don't sound like you know treatments right yeah well, and also because the the um, the result is not quick. It's quicker to take a pill, absolutely, than it is to actually, you know, it's 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 like having a pain somewhere in your body that you've pulled a muscle. Well, sure, it's easy just to take some, you know, Advil and just kind of suck it up and and go through, without actually treating what is causing you the pain. Mm-hmm. You know. We're a stubborn bunch. We we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Some more than others, you know. Also true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, Henny, but I, I find it challenging to, like, 
have discussions about things like with my mom, for instance, mm. with regarding her health. And, you know, she doesn't sleep very well. And I said, if there's one thing that you could do, it would just be to sleep better, mm-hmm. you know, because it is it is adding to like all of these other things. Like when you're not, you're running on empty and you're sleeping then half the day away and then you never get it right to regulate yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I do feel like it's like I was telling my kids, like, turn off your TV, you know, like in your bedroom yeah. or turn the light off. Or my mom would be like, stop reading to me, you know, put the book yeah. down. You have to go to bed, you know. Um, and and but it's a really hard sell for them. And it's, I don't know if it's like it's because it's coming from me. I, I know that sometimes just the way I say it, you know, the mm. the is is an issue also. So I try to to but. But it's just being stuck believing that the way to change things is the way that, that it was done 20 years ago. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's not. Yeah. I think it's more that than anything. I think it's, it's being stuck in a way of thinking, right? Being, yeah. being stuck in a way of thinking that, well, this is what worked before. And so this is the only thing I can do versus, yeah. you know, I could try something else. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I also <laughs> back away and it's like, you know, I can say it's not, it isn't, it isn't my life. But it impacts my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you're feeling me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> How can I get something done today that I know uh, will prevent me or keep me from having to do X, Y, and Z later? <laughs> that is the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of balls up in the air. Yes. <laughs> Yes, Which yes, one, yes. Some of them you gotta let fall. Some of them, some of them you just have to let them go. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> but some of them you know if if that's the one you drop, you're gonna be paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. Um so just to finish the poop thing, yeah. At the end, the main causes of constipation okay. are yes. are food sensitivities. So yep. it's some sort of a like inflammation in that that might be a sensitivity that you have that you don't know about. He said, you know, often it's like gluten that gets, you know, people are always want to say it's like gluten. He said, which it could be, but the percentage of people that actually have sensitivities to gluten is actually quite low. Right. Um, Lack of magnesium causes that. He said 40% of people are low in magnesium. So then I started like Googling that. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, it's it, you hear often it's like oh well if you have um oh, the problem with your legs that you sometimes have it, restless legs yeah right oh eat a banana it means you're low in magnesium anytime that you have any kind of calf pain it's like you're low but one banana is only like nine percent of what you're recommended daily right like okay. like what you need anyways it's not like it's a hundred percent you just right. eat a banana and you're good so so where what are other natural sources of magnesium yeah so like green leafy um stuff the answer is always dark green leafy stuff yeah nuts and seeds also is good um and then like bananas there are some fruit that that are but but the same 
and this doctor said that he often just recommends that people take a magnesium supplement and that that really helps and solves the issue but it's but it's like why these are things that we all think we are getting the right amount of and mm. unfortunately as we've mentioned many times is that yeah. the processing of food not even just the processing the growing of food mm-hmm. the the way that we've um, taken all of the like over farmed land yeah. used pesticides which have killed nutrients which never yeah. come back yeah. and so if the food doesn't have it you can eat as many le- green leafy veg you know but it doesn't mean that you're getting the right amount of nutrients mm-hmm. from it because they they don't have the right amount of nutrients in them right i also was going to point out mm-hmm. that i'm shamed again by stuff <laughs> <laughs> for your for your iceberg lettuce yes situation well, I, I, which you know touche listen um, listeners need to know that sandy has really overcome that period in her life that she is on to better and brighter things i'm massaging kale over here once a week <laughs> like i have to like go to multiple grocery stores on specific days when I know that that's the day they get their delivery. That is how dedicated I am to my nutritional health, Penny. I mean, I think you've surpassed me, that's for sure. <laughs> but here, And it also just shows you that I have way more free time on my hand <laughs> than, that's anyone, okay. than anyone really needs. <laughs> Because it leads you to be a little loco about certain things, Kale being one of them. But, but and, I mean, every time I have it filling out, he's like, oh, I just really love this kale. I'm like, I know. It's like, it's just, I made kale salads for the next three days this morning. So, like, yeah. yes, kale. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I know. And then I thought, like, six months ago, I was just eating friggin', why was I doing that? Iceberg I, lettuce. I the really... Least- like the, the least nutrient, you know, friendly. I mean, there's a lot of water in iceberg lettuce. So you're not, you're not giving your body nothing. Well, but, you know, I, if can, you're I look- can drink a glass of water too. So you could, you could. If you're looking at nutrients, you're definitely not getting many from iceberg. No. And there's no <laughs> flavor to it. Iceberg lettuce no. has no flavor. No, it tastes like water. and you really should know that like why there's something like i you know i think that you know i've come a long way with like learning the things about what you should eat and what you shouldn't and whatever but i never really thought about hmm iceberg lettuce is like really pale (laughs) yeah yeah that's not really a green leaf i mean no it's a really pale green leaf yeah yeah it's it's closer to white than green i want nothing to do with it <laughs> bravo sandy bravo except <laughs> on a, a burger a burger is yeah there is, a place, there is a place for iceberg lettuce you know why because you want that crisp fresh watery crunch on a burger right yeah okay and dairy is the number one cause of constipation in kids Oh, that's not surprising. No, it's not. Well, that's all I have to say about poop. I think that's really good. I'm I'm really pleased actually that it came out in your 
listening and in your learning about the magnesium only because I just heard something today about constipation and the and the suggestion was take a magnesium supplement and I uh-huh. thought of you and I thought oh I wonder if that's what Sandy learned on her podcast and yes. sure enough it is and, and you know darn well that this weekend I will be going to buy magnesium, magnesium. supplements yeah and yeah. test it out for yourself yeah Oh, and maybe I may just go to a lab here because like it's very easy to do so and cheap to have my magnesium level checked. Mm-hmm. Just for, for sure. interest. Yeah. yeah. Because again, I seem to have a lot of free time <laughs> to just make an appointment and saunter myself over. So, I mean, if you've got the time, use it. That's what I think. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, I've been listening to this book for the last several days, and I've got some things to to share with you about it, and some things to go over with you, Perfect. because it it's been it's been an interesting read, mm-hmm. because I can't decide. I don't know. I don't know if I'm deciding this is a book that people should read or not. Like I'm on the fence for a lot of reasons. Okay. Okay. So the book is called Fast Feast Repeat and it's by Jen Stevens and it's, it's new. It's just, it's from 2020. So it's new stuff and it's really like a guidebook to intermittent fasting. So I think it's her third book about intermittent fasting. The first book, I think the first book that she wrote was in 2016 and I, and it's called Delay, Don't Deny. I could be wrong about that date. That also could be the second book and not the first, but forgive me. But I think her claim to fame was the book called Delay, Don't Deny. And it was a book... I haven't read it, but she references it a lot in this book. The book was really about her coming to intermittent fasting and and why she really likes it, but it wasn't really a how-to. And so I guess the feedback from from readers was we'd really like a a how-to guide. And so now she's written this, this new book, Fast Feast Repeat. And the book is split into a bunch of different sections. So at first she talks about the science behind fasting and why science suggests that it's beneficial for our bodies. Then she goes through the strategy of intermittent fasting and what it is and what it isn't and what it can look like and what it um, and and what it what some people think it looks like, but that's not actually it. And then the final part of well, then she goes through a part of the book where she talks about intermittent fasting as a lifestyle and how important it is for people to move past a diet mindset. So there's a huge chunk of the book where she's talking about mindset when it comes to food and eating and health. Mm-hmm. And then she also has a section of the book where it's testimonials, which feels a little bit like a sales pitch. And then there's a frequently asked questions section, which actually was really interesting. That's where I heard about magnesium for constipation. Oh, and, and so that's it. 
So she starts the book out by explaining kind of who she is and why she came to this learning and why she's sharing this information. So she was an elementary school teacher for years and years. She um, gained weight in her in her early adult years and then wasn't able to get rid of it until she discovered intermittent fasting and she lost about 80 pounds and has maintained that weight loss for I think five-ish years, maybe a little bit more than that. And and so, so she's very upfront about the fact, she's like, I'm not a medical professional, I'm not a scientist, but I, I do understand research, I do like understand concepts, I'm going to break down things the best that I can, and when I don't know an answer, I'm going to tell you where to go to find it for yourself. So I really liked that kind of honest upfront, you know, point of view. Overall, the book was fairly repetitive and there are certain parts that she kind of like, like I think you hear about the fact that she's now a size zero or a size two. Like I think she uh, must, have, I think she must have said that like 10 times in the uh, book. Like, I don't care, yeah. you know, um, not, not relevant, not to relevant to yeah. this, you know, and like, there's a section where she even talks about like, and then her weight was this, and then her weight was that, and then her weight was this, like, this is also not important, you know? And so, yeah. so, you know, I, I had a love hate relationship with this book. <laughs> what I will tell you is number one, if you are at all curious about intermittent fasting, I do believe that she did a really good job of breaking down exactly what it is and what it isn't in a, in a simple way without being um, too vague or too general, right? Like, like she really says, here's the science behind it. This is why you should, this is why I think you should do it. This is what science says about why fasting is good for you. And here are all the different ways that you could do it. And so if you're at all curious about intermittent fasting, I do think it's probably a good book for you because what I, what I, okay. So my experience with hearing people talk about intermittent fasting is that people generally have this, and, and this could just be my like misunderstanding, but my, what I get when I hear other people talking about intermittent fasting is they have this idea that it's like, oh, well, I just stop eating at, you know, seven or at eight and I start eating at 10 or at 11 in the morning and, you know, that's it. You know, and, and I'm like, but it's got, like, there's got to be more to it than that. You know, like, uh -huh. like that can't just be it. Yes and no. So yes, it can. Yes, there is more to it, but no, also it can be that simple. Here's what, so she says, she calls it over and over and over again in the book. She calls intermittent fasting a health plan with the side effect of weight loss. And so she's very upfront about the fact that this is not a weight loss strategy, nor should it be. However, most people who 
follow a plan of intermittent fasting do achieve some sort of success with weight loss or weight maintenance. Although she said that should never be the goal of the plan. The goal is the health. And, and so then she goes through like different health, like apparently there are um, a lot of different health advantages. So people, particularly people with type two diabetes often have, mm-hmm. um, benefit or often benefit from intermittent fasting. People often find that their sleep might be improved, that their, their mental, um, you know, uh, like sharpness, clarity and sharpness yeah. is better. Like, so there are a lot, so pe- people often find a lot of benefit unrelated to weight and and so she's very adamant that when you that if you're going to start intermittent fasting that for the first 28 days that you don't weigh yourself that no scales no nothing like you're focusing on your plan and that's it and she also says in that first like starting bit she said it's possible that you may even gain weight just because you're you're changing what you're doing and your body is adjusting to new things and anyway but then but then she she actually encourages people to weigh daily afterwards so after you've done your month Mm -hmm. first of starting then she encourages people to weigh daily but it's funny because then she says really what she wants you to do by weighing daily is she wants you to understand that your weight fluctuates and so she she really was all about the scale doesn't matter the number doesn't matter and so there were a lot of things that she said that were so in line with like our thinking or the thinking of WW or the thinking of just general health and wellness, right? Like she was, and she's very much, she talks all about, you know, paying attention to how your clothes feel and fit and how you feel rather than what the number on the scale says. And so she had a lot of really like important and nice things to say. So can I ask you though, because she can say it's not, it's not a weight loss plan, Mm -hmm. but she also did this to lose 80 pounds. Correct. And so that is kind of, I'm like, "Mm," but, but that's the reason that you, you did it. Yeah, without correct. reading without reading the book yet, because I do have it on hold because I also want to hear it too. Correct. Yeah. And then no, I don't know where I was going with that. Mm-hmm. The, she hasn't yet. Yeah, so she lost the weight. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then to go and it's about the way you feel and all of this sort of stuff. Do you, did you feel that that was um, really how she felt? Or did you feel like maybe someone had helped her by saying, this is how it will be better. Like you'll have a better chance of selling this book. Oh. If you are looking at a more holistic approach to it because this is kind of what the diet industry is looking for diet meaning that that mm-hmm. the whole industry with weight mm-hmm. loss whatever mm-hmm. i'm just i don't know i'm just asking i think you know where i think it comes from i think to say it's a health plan with the side effect of weight loss is a misnomer because i think for her it was a weight loss plan that has now become Um, a way of healthy living okay right that's what i think because 
because she does talk about her past experience with dieting and doing a whole bunch of different diets and yo-yo dieting and weight going up and weight going down and and that and she really makes the difference between all of that and what she's doing now with intermittent fasting okay and and so you know, because she even at one point talks about this idea of diet brain, and she calls diet brain like the confusion that you have in your brain when you don't really know what's right or what's wrong anymore because yeah. every single diet has told you something different. That's and I crazy. actually chuckled when she was talking about it because, like, how true is that? Like, yes, eat this. No, don't eat that. You know, like, you know, no fat at all. Yes, eat the healthy fats. You know, like all of these you know, conflicting arguments Messages, from all these different, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. It's so, like it's like how washing products is the same thing. You're not exactly. sure what the hell you're supposed to be doing. And she even mentions too, she said, you know, like she said, when I, she says, when she started intermittent fasting, she said a lot of people didn't really even know what it was. And so then she would talk about it and people didn't even know what she was talking about. She said, but she's like, now she's like, if you talk about intermittent fasting, more people know about it than don't. She's like, and you know how you know that it's mainstream? She's like, because you're seeing products pop up in the grocery store that uh. say like, to, you know, safe for use on like while fasting or like, you know, she's like, but she also says any product that you see like that it's not safe for use while fasting she's like if you're eating you're not fasting yes well, but she true. said but yeah. you can tell that we're now mainstream because companies yeah. are trying to sell you things yeah 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 they know the buzzwords to put on the packaging that's right it. that's it exactly yeah so so here's so here's what it is actually so intermittent fasting is there are two different approaches One is time-restricted eating, and the other is, it had a proper name, but, but she calls it up days and down days. So there are two different approaches, and she said that that both will give you the health benefits you're looking for, and that ever you find what works for you and you do what works for you. So she talks a lot about this idea of bio individuality, mm-hmm. which I thought was really was really fascinating and interesting. And this is the idea that every person biologically is different, mm-hmm. obviously, and that every person, from, like on a on a biology basis, uh, the, your body processes food a little bit differently than everyone else and so and of course we know that but we also don't know it you know like like we expect to get the exact same result as the person next to us who's doing the same thing and then when we don't we're confused by it but it's because our bodies are all a little bit different and so we we all have very unique dna so of course yeah. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, I know it's good. That's and so cool. she talks about that all the time. And so she says in the book over, like, truly, there were so many parts of the book that I was like, yes, like, I'm right behind this. This sounds like so much like everything that I know and believe to be true. Because she said all the time, like, she's like, I'm not going to tell you what to eat or when to eat or what's good for your body. She's like, I can tell you what's good for my body. But I can't tell you what's good for your body. Only you can tell you what's good for your body. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I I hear you, you know? So intermittent fasting, 
option one is time restricted eating. So in that case, that's the type of intermittent fasting that I was familiar with, where you have a window of time during the day where you eat and the other hours you don't. Now, what I hear talked about the most is whenever I've heard people in my own life talk about intermittent fasting, they have not eaten or they, they've always had an eating window of eight hours. So from let's say 11 o'clock until seven o'clock is when they eat. And then the rest of the, the evening and night and morning, they don't. And so she says that any intermittent fasting window that works for you is fine. But typically to get the best benefit from the fast, your body needs to be fasting for at least 16 hours. And that the best amount of time is actually in the 18 to 22 hour range. And so a lot of people when they're intermittent fasting, their eating windows are actually more like six hours or five hours or four hours. Wow. And so, so tip like, so often with intermittent fasting, it isn't um, a 16 hour fast and an eight hour um, eating window. It's, it's more often like a 19 hour fast with a five hour eating window or a little bit more even. She also says that you can change it up. So, you know, so you're never stuck to one thing, you know? And so she said for herself, she usually go, she usually, um, will be any, she'll fast anywhere between 19 and 22 hours. And then she'll eat her eating windows are anywhere between two and five hours. How that is not to me, that's not livable for most people myself included. So she says that it's like, and that was the one thing too, with all the testimonies too, because there were a lot of testimonies in the book and a lot of what, like a lot of these people are like, it was so easy. It was so easy. It was so easy. And like, none of this sounds easy to me. Now, the one thing that she does harp on is this idea of a clean fast. And she says, this is where most people have problems when they're trying intermittent fasting. Because she said, what often happens is people during their time when they're fasting, they're having like their coffee with cream, or they're chewing a piece of gum, or, you know, they're having um, like a flavored water or something like that. And she said, none of that is fasting. She said, as soon as you introduce something into your body that is sweet or that is seemingly like food, she said, you've broken your fast because toothpaste. So so she said, (laughs) so she, she says that toothpaste is like in the maybe column. So she said for most people, toothpaste is okay. Oh, Um, but so, cause the idea with the fasting is that when you don't eat anything, then your body doesn't produce any insulin. And as long as your body doesn't produce any insulin, you, the theory is that you won't have that feeling of like a blood sugar drop where you're feeling like jittery or lethargic or like those sort of uncomfortable feelings that you might get when you, when you're really, when you haven't eaten in a while, 
And she said it's because you get that feeling when your body has produced insulin and then you haven't given it food in response. And so she said, if you don't give your body any reason to produce insulin, then it won't. And that's, and that's the benefit. So, so the only thing you can have when you're fasting is water, not flavored. It can be hot. It can be cold. It can be bubbly. It can be flat, but it can have zero flavor in it. You can also have black coffee and you can also have black like no flavor tea so and those are your only options anything else from a piece of gum to a little squirt of something fruity in your water to like a fruity flavored tea like to some sweetener in something like no 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 she said because all of those things are going to cause your body to to release insulin so so the theory is that as long as you are truly fasting clean, that you might have a period where you feel hungry, but then that hunger just passes and you just keep going with your day and you feel fine. So, so that's, so she said that, so anyway, that's the one strategy, this time restricted eating. So where you have a window of eating. The other strategy is to do like an alternate day thing where you have up days and down days. And what that means is that on your up days, you eat what you eat. And on your down days, you either fast like completely. So it's a complete 24 hour fast, or you can have up to 500 calories worth of something. So so she, so she said for herself, it's easier to fast completely. She said, because if I have like a tiny bit of food, she's like, I just am really hungry and I want to eat more. So she said, when I'm doing this strategy, I just prefer to fast for the 24 hours, but you're allowed, you are permitted in this, in this system to have a tiny, like a little bit of food. And so she said with that, you could do like every other day where you have an update yeah. down day after, or she said you could have in the course of a week, typical, like the typical patterns are to have five, um, five, Fasting. five down days and two updates yeah. mm -hmm. or nope, that can't be right. It's gotta be the other way around because she said after every down day, you have to have an update. So you could have multiple up days side by side, but you can't have multiple down days side by side. So she said some people, it's that. She said some people do five up days and two down days. And some people do, um, she said some people do three and four, where they do four up days and three down days. And so, so that's the other like option. So yeah, like it's, it's in, it's so fascinating to me to hear these like strategies of, you know, thinking about when you eat and when you don't eat. And on one hand, like, and you hear people talk about this in their testimonies, just that it's simple, that they don't have to think about food. They don't have to think about what they're eating. They don't have to th think about when they're eating. Like they just know, like, 
they don't even have to sort of think like, Ooh, am I going to have this or aren't I like it's, I'm not eating right now. My window is mm -hmm. closed and now my window is open and I'm eating, you know? So on one hand, it seems quite simple. On the other hand, like it just, it feels really, I don't know. It, it feels difficult to me. It feels a little invasive. Like I, I'm not really sure, but, but, but yeah. Then there are other things that she talks about that I just feel like they're just so like great for thinking about overall health and wellness. Like when you're recognizing that, you know, we have this bio-individuality and everyone's a little bit different. I think that's so important when you recognize that your weight is going to fluctuate for reasons that you don't yeah. understand because of hormones and because of mm -hmm. water retention and all of these things. I think that's really important. You know, when you want to be thinking about what I put in my mouth because it's going to be healthy and it's going to be make, make me feel good as opposed to what I can and cannot eat. Like, you know, and, and that's her. So her first book, the title was delay, don't deny. And that's her whole theory with all yeah. of that's what intermittent fasting is. She's like, it's delaying the things that you want to eat, but it's not denying yourself anything. So she said, you're putting things off. And she says that could be, two things it could be I'm putting something off because it's not my eating window yet but she said it also could be I'm putting something off for the next three months because I want to reduce I want to reduce my weight and I and so she gives the example of wine she said I know that when I when my body feels like like it's not in a place that I like it to be. She said, I know that I need to delay wine for a little while and then my body will start to feel better. And so she does talk about delaying things for stretches of time as well, which is maybe questionable, but, then, not, also, yeah. but then also a little realistic too, right? Like yeah. thinking this all through, you can't a big like, it, it, is, it is and it's if you think about you know day one of of you know the last time you started mm -hmm. and that this was this was one of the things that you, so you're you're henny you will not be eating for three days and then you will eat for two days and then you won't eat for four days and then you'll eat for three days. First of all, you'd be like, what? Yeah. But it's not just that. It's still, you, it, the, the days that you're eating, you haven't, if you haven't made any changes to the food that you're eating, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how is so, that a healthy outcome? Like a long-term right. health? Right. And so she talks about that in the book. Because she says that it's that the quality of the food that you're eating matters. And so what she suggests for people who are starting out is that all they worry about is their eating windows. And she yeah. even has like a couple of suggestions for um, for for the first 20, what your first 28 days could look like. And so like this, the, the easiest like ease into the plan the first week is like 12 hours of fasting 12 hours of eating and then the second week is 14 hours of fasting and 10 hours of eating like so she eases you into the idea 
Um, and so she's, and that, but that's what she says too. She says at first, you just have to get used to the clean fast. You have to get used to whatever the hours are that you are fasting. They are water and black coffee only. And, and, and then whatever you eat during your eating hours, you eat. But eventually, she says, you have to change the things that you're eating okay. because you have to be eating quality food that makes your body feel good, that is, you know, full of nutrition, you know, and not crap, really. Yeah. So, so you know that my son Brock uh, does fast. Yeah. And, but he he would go for periods of time where he didn't eat for seven days and all he was drinking was water. Mm -hmm. And then he would have what he called his, it's my feed day. Mm -hmm. And so the feed day was like absolutely crazy amounts of food, like Big Macs, French fries and all of that. I, I, what you're saying is, is exactly what happened to him though, is that over time, right. He actually then really started working on the, the types of foods that he was eating. So how much of it and shortened the days between, because right. it doesn't, it, it's not, you, it, I don't care what anyone says. You cannot, how do you have a normal life interacting with people living with other people if you go for periods of days without eating any food my concern when Brock was doing it was that when when my granddaughters his girls are there to see that that is not a healthy way like it's not a healthy example in my opinion Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for them to grow up to be thinking that oh if you know dad's doing this because he wants to lose some weight what I need to do is to not eat for periods of days mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you and there's also the family time I mean there's all those other things that we for know sure for sure that for are sure. important too yeah. but anyway so what does she say about that so she does talk about okay two things one she talks a lot about this idea of appetite correction And that's, and so it's like what you're talking about with Brock, like where he started by binging these large amounts of like unhealthy food and just like eating, you know, um, in a, in a bizarre kind of way, um, and how that over time shifted. That's, I think that's some of the idea of appetite correction where you're learning, what your body wants and what your body doesn't want. And also you're learning when your body is hungry and when your body is full. Mm -hmm. And so she actually has a book that she recommends that's about appetite correction. And so I wrote the title down for us so that we can look into that. Uh, Okay. Because Um, the the other thing is, is that you, if you don't know what you should be eating or like what is a healthy thing, the deprivation of not having anything doesn't, you don't learn anything, you know? Correct. And we, I think we both agree, like we've both been on, on plans where they, it's great when they tell you what to eat. Mm-hmm. Like for me, Jenny Craig was great. I could just go and pay the money, the crazy yeah. amount of money, buy my frozen meals yeah. or whatever. But I never got to a point when they were like teaching me. Any, I didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. 
And so once you're finished with that, then what do you do with then that? Then what? Yeah. You go back to doing what you were doing before because that's what you know. Correct. And end up with the same result like Correct. over and over again. Correct. So. Correct. Yeah. Okay. She also does talk a little bit, especially in, yeah, there are a couple of spots in the book where she talks about kids. And first and foremost, she says very clearly that kids should not be engaging in intermittent fasting because kids are growing. And as long as your body is growing, you need food on a more regular basis. Once your body has finished growing and developing, that changes. But so as kids, that shouldn't be happening. Um, and then there is a spot, I think, in one of the frequently asked questions where she does, like where someone asks about that, like about being a role model for kids. And I think her answer is very much like, um, you know, just being honest with the kids about what you're doing and that, you know, that when, and that when you are in your window of eating, that you show like that they know that that you're eating and that they see that you're eating well and not like binging all sorts of crazy things. So I think that's really like, that was sort of her advice around that. Which how do you I don't feel know. about that? I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. I think, I don't know how I feel about the whole thing. Like I, like I said, like I really was so on again, off again with the book, like, and partly because I don't part at first it was her tone of voice. I wasn't a hundred percent sure I was into. And then it was like some of the things she was saying, but then she would say things that I really liked. And so I, like, I really went back and forth the whole time. And even the concept of intermittent fasting, like there are parts of it that make a lot of sense to me. And then there are parts of it that I just think like, I don't know, I feel the same way as you. Like, I don't know how realistic this is for living a regular day-to-day -day life. You know, it just, it seems a little, it seems a little extreme to me. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, Jen talks about, you know, that the strategy that she uses now is related to the, the time restricted eating where you have a window, but she said, I don't, I don't time my window anymore. She said mm -hmm. what I, what I call, what it's called is OMAD, one meal a day. So she's like, I have one meal a day. And she said, but she said, I think of my meals like, like a multi-course meal that you might have in a restaurant. So she said, I'll start with some like chips and guacamole. And then like a half hour later, I'll have something else. And then a half hour later, I'll have something else. And then I'm done. And, but like, I don't know, like if you have small children in your home and they like, and that's all they see. It, it does seem a little strange, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but I mean, if you say to them like, you know, well, I'm not hungry and now I am hungry. So now I'm eating like, that's also quite normal. You know, yeah. like, I think it's a normal thing to teach your kids. Like I'm hungry now. So I eat, I'm not hungry now. So I don't like, so really Sammy, but, yeah, I don't know. I know, but there's also structure that kids need so that they know, and you're sitting down at a meal, like, I, I, I can reflect now on the impact that I had uh, surrounding foods, meal time, how it didn't, it wasn't as important. I didn't, 
I didn't give it the importance that it needed right. and that how that affected my children's relationship with food. Mm. I can see that now. Right. And so I know for myself, whenever I'm with my granddaughters, I'm, I'm like very hypersensitive to that. Yeah. And while they're not my children, so I often, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not, like I would never say something in front of my son after he had said something to them, but mm. him and I have had conversations and I'm also, you know, just honest about where I'm coming from. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're his children and, and, and he's going mm-hmm. to do whatever, but, um, he also, he also knows the reason that he's the relationship that he has with food and his eating habits because of things that happened growing up. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes it's good to point those things out because you don't often make that same, you know, you realize why it's with you, but you don't realize that, well, wait a minute. Now I have to be an influence on someone else. Yeah. You know, and especially young girls Yeah, when they're at, you know, Nevaeh's almost 11 and mm-hmm. she's already like, you can, I can see this growth spurt in her where she was so tall and thin and I can see now she's filling out, but you know that someone might... I've made an innocent comment mm-hmm. about, oh, you're, you know, you're looking a little chubby, something mm-hmm. like that. This seems very innocent and cute, but it's not when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the things like you realize that at a very young age that people remember. So mm-hmm. I just, and I don't think that being honest with children, they don't have the capacity to process it. Mm-hmm. Does she have children? Yes. Yes. She has, she has sons, I believe. Yeah. She definitely mentions Asan, but I think she has multiple. Mm. Uh-huh. No, I really have to listen to the book. Yeah, I- yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. I'm, and if other people have either read, like, read any of her books, or if you are, if you are doing intermittent fasting, or if you've done it in yeah. the past, or like, I'm curious about it. Just, just because I'm, I'm fascinated with the concept, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I should say that Brock had did lose and has lost like between 60 and 70 pounds mm-hmm. and that there have been times that he's like um, stopped doing the, the fasting for periods of, like for a month or two months, yeah. gained very little back right. weight back and then has gotten right back onto it again. And mm-hmm. that this has been, uh, well, uh, 20 months. I was oh, going to say be- more than a year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it will be two years in November. So it's yeah. been, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can see that there is a result. I also now, when he's, like, now he's completely gone the other way as far as, like, the nutrients that are in food, what are the best choices to make? So mm-hmm. there are, there's been a lot of learning with yeah. with that yeah. with him, which is, which is also very good. Yeah. I mean, God bless Emmeline because she's, like, <laughs> salt of the earth. She, you know, they, they made it, like... She has not bought a loaf of bread this year because that was her thing for this year was she was going to make every single right. loaf of bread. So she's making sourdough bread every week, you know, <laughs> like growing put this big garden. Uh, and um, if you got two polar opposites, this, this is these two. But, I, but <laughs> coming together, I see it, which is very, which is also very That's nice. so but lovely. I, yeah. I see him, him change him changing more <laughs> to like yeah. moving more towards him. but she's also like you know freeing things up a little bit too so which is good, <laughs> good. <laughs> which is good 
Well, that was very, very um, informative, Penny. I think that a lot of people, you know, listening and a lot of um, WW members have are confused by it mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, are interested or don't know enough about it. And, um, you know, now there's a great book out there, so that's good for them to to be able to read. But just but just by how you explained it was very was very good. Um, thank you yeah the the hour the the time um fasting is something that I can see being very, very helpful for people, especially if they snack at night and they have mm-hmm. a schedule that allows them to um, well, and like and even at its very root, like this idea of delay, don't deny like just that in itself, it's like that piece like eliminate the fast part. Just think about like when you want to go for something, do I need this right now or can I put it off for an hour? Like, like for me, it's those little moments of mindfulness that I'm like, that could make all the difference. Like, like I don't know as, you know, fasting for 19 hours and only drinking water is something that I'm necessarily prepared to do, but I like the idea of, do I need this right now or can I, can I come back to it in 30 minutes? Yeah. But, but, and that goes hand in hand with just that each of us is different and each day is very different too. Mm -hmm. You wake up some days and you're ravenous. You have more activity on one day than others. So to be very strict with anything that we're strict with is, is usually something that has a very short window of life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm with you. Like, you know, I know the days that we work out with Diego, I plan our meals differently. Yeah. Because of the type of activity we're doing, I know we'll be hungrier. So it's, but it's over time, you make those small shifts. Mm -hmm. um, And and all of those little things, like we always, you know, we know that the small changes do give you a big result over time. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm glad that her voice wasn't so irritating that you didn't want to listen because the other day you were like 30 minutes in and just like, I think I'm being talked down to and she's condescending, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it got better. I got used to it. (laughs) So, but now I have this preconception of what it's going to be. So I'm trying to like, let that just roll off of me so I can go in with open ears, open ears. Listen with open ears. (laughs) I hope I can like, write to you and be like what was your issue with this woman she's fine <laughs> I don't think so I will. feel <laughs> <laughs> all right Sandy we have kept our listeners far too long this week so if you're still with us after an hour and 10 minutes thank you so much <laughs> but there was a lot to unpack today oh there was there was but it was it was fabulous yeah well, so, and truly, if, if people have had experiences with intermittent fasting, I'm, I'm all for, or have read other things about it, I'm, I'm all for hearing more about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to buy some magnesium and I'll let you know how that's working out. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing about that next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. as always, thank you very much. And um, I'll talk with you later. All right. Bye, Bye. everyone.